I'm Arya Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we are joined by the great Lindsay Darkangelo, author of Courtside, a one-on-one Q&A with many of the biggest names in the W, and a writer for The Athletic. show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and read the wubble weekly with owen pence and we're actually going to be doing an exclusive patreon podcast this coming week and don't forget to see the amazing written content from our staff over at winsider.com and speaking of amazing written content this episode we are joined by the one the only the great Lindsay darkangelo Lindsay, how's it going Man, I like this intro. You guys are like making me feel real special. I like it. Well, you you are special. You are <laughs> you are very special. All right, let's let's hop right into it. There's been a lot of talk going on this W season. Uh, obviously, there's the ups and the downs. It's a condensed season. Uh, I think all of us are going a little stir crazy. Um, not only locked in our house due to coronavirus, but also locked into our house because there's three games a day. For basically every day since the season started until the season ends, uh, the WNBA season is in full swing. And what better topic to discuss during the full swing than the MVP race? Um, I think it's it's an interesting topic this season because while in the, let's say, first 10 games, uh, the Seattle Storm really solidified themselves as the far and ahead favorites and the standard MVP nod goes to the best player on the best team, especially when a team is blowing them out as Seattle did. But there has been discussion of, you know, who else is in the, in the MVP race and why aren't these other players getting more attention and couple that with a two game losing skid that we're currently in as we record today on the 25th. Um, Brandis Stewart is still leading that race, but there's some other players that deserve and should be getting discussion about this. So I'm going to open this up and kind of list the four players in my mind that are in the MVP race for a variety of reasons. Um, And then I'll kind of toss it over to you, Lindsay, and you, Rachel, and we'll discuss if you guys think I left someone out, if there's a fifth player that should be involved. Uh, We can kind of just debate it and, and pick each other's brains for why we're we're riding each horse uh, to the MVP trophy. I got Brianna Stewart. I uh, got Candace Parker, Asia Wilson, and uh, the late shoe-in, as, as some people, as the, the Sky fans would say, Courtney Vandersloot, the point god. Uh, Lindsay, what are your thoughts and reactions to these, these players? Who's leading in your mind? What's going on with you? I agree with those four. I have those same four. Uh, where, where I maybe have a little different is I got – Stewie's still hanging on to that that number one slot. But after that, I mean, the way Sloot's been playing, she's having a, a, a 51% uh, from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line season. Uh, she's got a plus minus of 9.6. She's averaging 13.4 points and uh, 8.7 assists. She's literally having the best season of, of her career so far. And uh, I just – I don't know how you, you can – have this conversation without really considering her as a as a threat 
to um, to kind of take over that number one spot. I got Wilson after her. Um, she's got great numbers too, but um, with and then Parker below that. Um, again, they they have great numbers, but just what for me, it's uh, Stewart and Sleuth uh, down the stretch here. What, what are your thoughts, Rach? I mean, I definitely can't argue against the four. Um, I definitely think all four are going to be at the top. And the, the crazy thing about this is it's it's just going to come down to the wire. I mean, it's a complete log jam at the top. We've got, you know, four teams, whether it's half a game or a game back. Um, now, you know, with Seattle on that two-game skid. And, I mean, we could talk about a log jam. We'll maybe get into that later at the show, whether, you know, just even getting into the playoffs is going to be a, a crazy finish. But, you know, we're kind of at that point of the season where we're halfway there over halfway there, and now we can really start analyzing some of these numbers um, and, and some of these players. And in terms of the MVP race, man, this is just – it's going to come It's going to come down to the wire in my yeah. mind. I, I agree. I think that Brandon Stewart's – if the season ended today, you know, Stewie gets the nod. Um, when you really step back and you, you really analyze uh, Vander Sloot's numbers, they're, they're so impressive. And what she's been able to do as a facilitator and leader of the Sky team – is so is so impressive and and sky are clicking on all cylinders you know they won four in a row um but you know same thing with the sparks they won seven in a row now i mean so in terms of who are the two hottest teams in the league right now it's, it's got to be those two and then asia wilson i mean she's been a force she's doing exactly what um you know a lot of people envision she would do for this aces team in, in this season um especially without liz cambage and, and being that dominant presence but it's I agree. I mean, it's hard for me to kind of differentiate, like, or even rank them. Honestly, um, it's I just kind of have it. Brianna Stewart, and then there's the other three. But it's every single day. It feels like it gets closer and closer. For me, maybe I, I should have done it in the order that I had in mind. Because for me, it goes Stewie Parker, Vandersloot, Wilson, and maybe this is a, a stupid take by me, but. With the Sky taking both those games against the Aces, I have to give the nod to Vandersloot over Wilson. And also the stats that I broke down, like I didn't go, I didn't dive deep into the analytics and the percentages like you, Lindsay, which I appreciate that you did because we need to have someone who's doing that. For me, it's just like if if you have a per game stat that's above three, even if it's like Stewie's 3.1 assists per game or Sloot's 3.4 rebounds per game, that kind of brings into it for Asia Wilson. Yes. She's, you know, leading all these players in points per game at 19.8 and has a very respectable 8.8 rebounds a game, but those are really her only two per game stats. And then you look at Candace Parker, who's surrounded by some amazing players, but they just haven't honestly showed up this season. Candace Parker's really carried the Sparks team. So for me, Parker's number two and, and, and Stewie, yeah, she leads it. Cause she's also been playing like, what, how many less minutes than all these other players because so many of these games have been blowouts? Yeah, I don't um, I don't know if I agree with you on the Parker. Um, putting her at number two uh, at 14 points per game. Yeah, she's, she's averaging um, 9.8 rebounds per game, almost a double-double, but, but so is Wilson there. Um, I just – if you look at her overall numbers, she's – She's 14 points per game. Chelsea Gray's 12 points per game. NECA's 12 points per game. Uh, Raquana Williams, 11 points per game. The scoring's pretty spread evenly. I mean, we're talking about two-point differential. Um, so to say that she's kind of carrying the team, I think, is a bit of a stretch. 
Um, is she having a good season? Yeah, she's having a good season, but it's not, it's not for me, it's not on par with the other three. Um, her plus minus ratio is 6.6. The other three are, um, are, are eight and above, um, almost 10. So for me, it's just like the impact you have on like the whole team, the, on the whole court and the rest of the team as a whole. Um, the other thing I wanted to add on Stewie real quick, she's having defensive player of the year numbers too. Um, so that's another aspect of her, of the conversation that if, if you look at Sloot and maybe, you know, Sloot edges out or, um, passes her in this race down, down the stretch here, Stewie can, can also just slide right into that defensive player of the year. Um, cause she's having those kind of numbers at 1.5 steals, 1.4 blocks, uh, per game. It's, it's interesting to me, you know, how people decipher what what is an MVP you know mm-hmm. it, how do you break that down or how do you how do you measure that right you know that's always the debate um on, on really any MVP for any league um last year I feel like in ways it was pretty clear cut who that MVP was going to be yeah um this year you know it, it how the, how does the team finish how, how far do you go how are you playing towards the end of the season overall impact on the court defensive numbers I mean you know so, so many people tend to break this down by scoring numbers. And I definitely understand that holds a ton of weight, but um, overall impact and, and how a team is going to finish and perform in the later half of the season. I mean, I, 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 this is going to be as an exciting of a finish and it's as tight of a race to an MVP. I think we've seen in a minute. Um, and that makes it really, really enjoyable, you know, for us who are, you know, sitting here watching, eight hours of, of WBA every single night. <laughs> well, also I want to bring up into this as, as you brought up kind of looking at who else is on this team, not to uh, kind of ask for the wrath of the Gamecock fans. Uh, but I think this next statement might get me drugged out, whatever the term is out on Twitter. Uh, Asia Wilson averaging 19.8 points a game on 30.9 minutes. Angel McCautry logging in 10 less minutes a game is averaging just four points less mm-hmm. or, and, and so, and like you got two other players, McBride and Hamby both closing in on 12 points per game um, on less minutes in Asia also. So it like, for me, it has to be that combination of what you're doing when you're out there. And when I say that, I think it very much so speaks to Courtney Vandersloot because mm-hmm. as we've seen throughout this whole season, this team this Sky team looks like an elite top team in the league when Sloot is out there. When she takes those rest minutes as every player needs, especially at her age, like that's when the team starts to struggle. That's when this team just hasn't been able to find a footing in an on-court leadership. And I think that often goes under-noticed or doesn't get enough attention when we're talking about this MVP race of you have to be a player that not only are the best on the team, but also is helping carry this team and helping make this team so important. What do you got, Rach? I just want to make a point about great analysis, you know, picking up on on Angel McCautry's numbers. I'm not trying to take anything away from Angel, but if you are playing the Aces and you pay attention to what Asia Wilson brings on the court, teams have to game plan for Asia Wilson. Mm-hmm. The game plan we've seen it a few times so far this season is, hey, we got to make someone other than Asia Wilson beat us. And again, that's another thing you've got to come into play. How are teams defending them? Whereas, you know, you've got to throw the kitchen sink at Asia Wilson to make others step up. I forget who beat him recently. Forgive me, everybody. But when the when the sky had uh, Azra Stevens, yeah, that was it. Yeah, early yeah. said, "Hey, 
someone other than Asia Wilson is going to beat us. And, and it worked for this guy, you know, but, but honestly, that's, that's, these are the types of things we need to be paying attention to. How are teams defending them? How are teams game planning? You know, does that make sense? Because, because that's an impact on the court that just her presence, they have to throw the kitchen sink at her just to try and, and, and contain her to have a chance to win the game. That's, that's, you know, one topic of conversation I think has to be in the discussion of MVP. Yeah, it's a multifaceted conversation for sure. Um, I, I definitely, I, and it also, I feel like it comes down to maybe like the personal way, like we, we view this too. Like maybe we, we view each player's impact, like overall impact. You know, I agree that the MVP is not just about points and stats, although yeah, that definitely comes into play, but it's also about the impact they have in the court during those minutes, like Ario was saying. And um, for me, like, when it comes down to that, you 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 have clear two two front runners in Stewart and Sloot for me in that regard. But yeah, I, I agree what you're saying. Um, I'm Wilson, Rach. Moving on to uh, there's recently a touching tribute for Kobe Bryant done by Dan Trossi, and honestly, the whole WNBA league. But Trossi took it a step further, wearing number eight and Bryant on the back of her jersey. And Lindsay, why don't you kind of break down what happened there? Um, Tarasi happened. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it was, it was classic DT, you know, the kind of DT we, we don't see as often anymore. The, the, the kind of DT that just, you know, takes over the game, uh, dribbles, dribbles right up the court and shoots a three in somebody's face. I mean, she did that numerous times, uh, 30, 34 points, 53% from the field, 53% from the three point line. It was just a, an amazing game and an emotional game. You could, you could, you could feel the, the energy, the, the emotion that she was carrying. Uh, she even uh, nicked her knee or did something to her knee towards the end of the game. And just no way was she about to go out um, and, and, and sit out. She was, she was in it for the, for the, for the whole thing. And yeah, it was just for me watching it as, as a DT fan, a long time DT fan, I'll be honest. Um, it was it was uh, it was emotional. It was it was emotional for me to see that in her and know why she was doing it, and it it, it just it came through through her play and through the screen. And I was happy for her. I was happy that she was able to go out there and do what she wanted to do in in honor of her friend Kobe Bryant. Yeah, it was. I have to echo that as well, Lindsay. Definitely emotional. Um, definitely really fun to witness as a fan, just a lover of the game of basketball in general. Um, very, very fitting, you know, for Tarazi to wear that jersey. She even spoke after the game about how, you know, she was nervous to, to wear that jersey and was kind of emotional about it herself. But let's not forget just the timing of this. I mean, heading into this game, Phoenix had faced a ton of adversity. I mean, not only had you been on a losing skid, but then there's the drama with Griner, who ended up having to leave the bubble. We still, you know, who knows if, if she's going to have her return. So, so you're losing your, your best, arguably your best player and, and, you know, your biggest presence on in, in the inside. And, and this team, you know, faced a ton of adversity headed into this game. And so um, this, this, the win itself, I think was huge. And just the manner that um, you saw this team really come together in the face of that adversity. And then, you know, you had the added impact of Tarazi wearing Kobe Bryant's jersey on his birthday and her just playing, as you said, just kind of vintage Tarazi, knocking down shots and being that cold blooded, just, just killer that, that, you know, we've all seen for so long. Um, 
it was special, you know, and I, I, I'm really happy for Tarazi. I'm really happy for the Mercury and just kind of being able to solidify that win in a week that was, um, you know, probably, probably very challenging for them. Uh, I don't know what the future looks like or, or what, what this Mercury team is going to do the second half of the season. That's for another show, but definitely a special night for Tarazi, no doubt. Well, and I do want to talk about the Griner aspect of this just a little bit. Obviously, this is a slightly different topic, and we're not going to touch it with a 50-foot pole, uh, what personal issues and things like that means. Like, the crux of it is she's no longer in the wobble, and she's not currently on this team playing. And right now, this team is number six in the standings at 7-7 and at 500. Uh, They've got a a game or two against Connecticut coming up, who's right below them at 6-8. and And they're right behind the Minnesota Lynx, who are at nine and four. I mean, losing who, uh, I mean, I don't even know how you describe Brittany Griner. If you watch WNBA, you know the impact that she has on the game uh, when she's dialed in. And I'm curious your guys' thoughts. What is the outlook for this uh, a Grinerless Phoenix Mercury team? Because obviously, like, let's be real. Sorry if this wasn't fully on the show notes, but I think I mentioned it. But let's be real. Like, this is a team that, looking at the future, is built around Skylar Diggins-Skylar Diggins-Smith and Brittany Griner. And when you lose that, yes, you still have Diana Tross, you still have Skylar, you still have Shatori and a plethora of other players, and, and Bria Hartley, sorry, excuse me, uh, Bria Hartley who's been playing lights out this whole season. I mean, what do we think as in regards to what this team can do, what's realistic for them? knowing that if Brittany Griner does come back, she's going to have to quarantine for a period of time and miss out on a good chunk of games in this final stretch. Let's start with you, Lindsay. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to get those extra points from. She's averaging 17.7 points per game this season. Um, She was averaging almost two blocks per game, so that presence in the lane. They don't have anybody else like that. Like Kevon... I mean, she showed what she's capable of in that game against the Mystics that they won recently, but I don't see her having those types of numbers every game. And I certainly don't see Diana Taurasi putting up 34 points night in, night out on this type of schedule. So for me, I'm wondering where that extra offense is going to come from. And I don't think they have the bench capability to do that, to, 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 to supplement those points. Um, and then on the defensive side, you know, obviously it's a, it's a big hole. Um, on the other note, on the other note of this, I just want to add like the whole, the whole thing is strange, um, obviously. And, you know, I, personal issues could be anything. Um, I, you know, I hope everybody in her family is okay, like best wishes and all of that. But if I was one of her teammates, I'd be, I'd want to know, like, What's up? Because the one thing, the one criticism about Griner that I've always had is her commitment level and um, just her, her energy game in and getting out. She's never really seemed to fully give it her, her all um, and throw every part of herself into, into a season, into a full season. Um, so those are my thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, it, it, this is a tough one because Griner, you know, could, could easily be the MVP of the league. Uh, I picked her at the beginning of the season, man. Yeah, it, it, it kind of is like, <laughs> Me when, too. when, when does Griner want to go, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it's an interesting, it, she's interesting to analyze because man, when she, when she wants to go, 
you can't be stopped. But there's times where she comes in and she looks disinterested. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. And so, you know, yeah, like, like the, the presence that she is, I mean, just her impact, just physically being on the court changes game planning from across the board for, for every team. You know, so from here on out, when the team when teams are preparing for the Phoenix Mercury, it's now a different game plan because she's not on the court, and and that's just ch- changes everything. So, um, you know, I, I I agree. I hope I hope everything is okay with Griner. I hope that everything um, everyone's safe and and it's nothing too serious. And I, I really hope for for a return if if that's what's best for her. But at the same time, man, this is a big blow for Phoenix. I mean, I'm not saying anything that you know, nobody knows. I, it, it doesn't come from one person. You know, you can't fill the holes of the shoes of Brittany Griner with one person. Now, people got to step up. Now, you know, you've got to be able to have Brianna Turner, Kia Vaughn, you know, players off the bench. Now, again, hey, we keep saying this is a season of opportunity, right? Um, so so here's your chance. You, you got to step up and be able to give some solid minutes and and, and do do the work and, and, and you know, um, but, but it has to, it, it's across the board, you know, um, Skylar Diggins is going to have to play better. Bria Hartley, you know, she's played great. She's going to have to continue that. You're going to have to get more from Trazi. It's, it's a, it's a group effort to be able to try to fill that hole and, um, you know, just, just work in your offense. Where, where are you running your offense through instead of trying to get, get a grinder touch each possession now, you know, h- how are we working this offense to, to get great shots? Um, and, and Griner's presence in the interior creates open shots for everyone else. So it does. It's a huge blow just from every aspect of it. Um, but I, I agree. It, it, it definitely it is concerning for, for a lot of reasons. Well, and you'll note how I very much so had you guys take the reins on that topic because I've been on record for many, many years uh, saying very similar things to what you guys both said. Like, it's all about the consistency from Griner. I mean, I don't think anybody in this league or no, sorry. When she got drafted, I'll say this. When she got drafted, I think we would all be shocked to look this far down her career and not see one MVP nod for her, not see the dominance in, you know, a long stretch of games from her that we all expected. And honestly, not see more championship rings on her hand. Um, And for me, the interesting aspect is more so going to be how this team kind of adjust their game planning we're and and a player who we didn't really touch on yet is alana smith i mean we're gonna have to see a lot better play a lot more play from her um and sophie cunningham she's gonna be needing to hit a lot more shots because not only do you need to take up that the big interior on offense and defense you just need to like you were talking about Lindsay, fill those points that are just all of a sudden evaporating into air because we're not going to be seeing that uh, from Kivon, like let let's just be real. She's been in this league long enough. We we have the scouting report on her. We know what she's capable of and what she's not capable of. And honestly, there's not many players in this league uh, besides like Sylvia Fowles, and I'm trying to think of another one. Maybe Natasha Howard when she was on last year, who can fully you know fill in that dominance that Brittany Griner has when she's on. So it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, I obviously I don't want to predict that the Phoenix Mercury are going to lose out on a playoff spot because of this, because I think we all are pretty clear cut and in unison saying we want to see playoff Diana Taurasi. We want to see Skylar Diggins Smith back in the playoffs. Um, But it's not going to be easy for this team to string together enough wins to make the playoffs. Like I said, they're ranked six right now. They're half a game or a full game above Connecticut. 
Um, and Connecticut is like in the opposite swing direction because now they have their full roster. Now they have a better flow of things. It's going to be an interesting one. Um, and a reminder, we have a daily show called Winsider Daily with Ben Dahl where he breaks down all of the games that happened that day. It's great. I, you know, for me personally, I've missed a few games uh, due to moving or uh, other family and personal commitments. And being able to listen and get inside analysis of what happened in those games in a breakdown, I cannot uh, promote it enough. And don't forget Winsider.com and the Winsider Network, where we have a collection of WNBA podcasts. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast uh, app. Moving on to surprises this season, um, key wins or losses. Obviously, I think it's pretty simple to say uh, the biggest one on at least my list had to be the Fever beating Seattle. I think even with Sue Bird not playing in that game, there would not be many thoughts in my mind of the Indiana Fever pulling this off. But Lindsay, what what was kind of your reaction to that? And then do you have any other other games that kind of surprised you this season? Uh, I think, I mean, it's like any team that 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 wins long stretches. Eventually, in basketball, they're going to lose a game um, more more often than not. And so, I I think it was coming. And I just think, you know, the the Fever were they played well. They played very well. They played the best I think they've played all season in that game. And they've been a puzzle for me this year. I feel like they have they have good pieces in place. They had a new they have a new coach. I kind of expected more from them this season. Um, but to see them beat Seattle, I mean, like I said, it was it was bound to happen sooner or later without Sue Bird. Um, it just it just was one of those games for Seattle. Um, but then they, you know, they go and lose to to, to the Aces. Um in the way that they did. So I don't know, maybe the, uh, the endurance factors catching up with them with the shortened season, but um, yeah, I was definitely surprised to see them um, to see Seattle go down to the fear. I, for me this season, overall, Minnesota has been the surprise for me, the links. Um, yes. I, w- I wasn't sure what to make of this roster. You know, obviously Sylvia files is Sylvia files, but they had so many new pieces the way Cheryl Reeve gets her team chemistry to just explode and, and gets her team to bond and, and in the way they vibe off each other on the court so quickly um, has, uh, it's just so impressive to me and, and what she's been able to do this season with all those uh, new pieces that she has and the, and the new draft picks that she brought in um, they're fifth overall nine and four um, still very much in, in a conversation with those, uh, with those top five teams. Um, I'm just, I don't know about you guys, but I've just been really surprised, uh, of the, you know, and maybe, maybe I'm, I'm the one who didn't give this team enough of a look at, in before the season started. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with that. No, I agree with you. I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to take any way, anything away from them. They, they, they've just played really well, you know, and I think that there's been a pretty, um, you know, defined role of, of shots and where, where's the ball going to go? I mean, and, and they're winning games without Sylvia Fowles, too. Right. I mean, that's that's, that's a, where you're kind that's of a like, huge factor. Yeah. yeah. So I think you've had some players who really stepped up. You have to tip your hat to the job that Crystal Dangerfield has done and is how dynamic she's been able to be as a rookie and um, the leader that she's been on the court, Nafisa Colliers. You know, 
continued to elevate her game as she continues to get comfortable in the league. But it's just, just a team that's that they're learning as they go. Has it been perfect? Has it been the most beautiful basketball? No, but they're they're well coached, and and I think they've done a pretty good job of. Um, like you said, that team chemistry, it, it really shows on the court and that's how they're winning games. Ari, I know, you know, you probably have a lot to say on this. So I, I won't, I won't hold it any longer. Go ahead. Well, I mean, like, look, let, let's be real. I'm completely on board with both of, of everything both of you guys said, because going into this season, I, I didn't doubt this team would make the playoffs. I think it's a foolish take to not think having, I'll just say the greatest coach in WNBA history, Cheryl Reeve on your roster you're going to make the playoffs as long as you have two all-stars and a third all-star who's coming back off of pregnancy or or giving birth. Um, So for me, I think going into the season, I was like, okay, the the Lynx are going to make the playoffs, but, you know, higher than a seven, eight seed, I would be, you know, a little bit eyebrow raised because when you look at the stats of last year, and I was honestly shocked when I, I did this, I even had to like hit up Rachel and I think I hit up Ben Dole and a couple other people. I was like, am I reading these stats right? Or, or is something off on the website? Because the Lynx had the second best defense last year. And I did not realize that. Um, but looking at this team, all the offseason moves for the most part were bringing in offensive firepower. And I think it's kind of the the old uh, scale of, okay, well, if you're bringing in so much offensive firepower, how's that going to affect the defensive side of the ball? How's it going to balance out? How's it going to, you know, continue that continuity of defense? And Reeve has figured out a way to do it. I think I heard it, it was either in an article or in her podcast around one of the, uh, one of the games from one of the announcers, like Reeve openly said that her training camp was all about defense. She knew that they had offensive tools and that's why they brought them in. They didn't need necessarily work on the offense. The offense would come the more they got to know each other in the better flow, which I think says a lot about what Reeves forward planning was. Cause if you talk about a lot of these other coaches, the things that they were focused on was the offense. How are we going to get the ball in the hoop? What are we running offensively? What are the play calls? And so for me, I do think, you know, even with the way that the Lynx have been playing, they've been flying kind of under the radar and there is going to be a, a come down to reality moment similar to what we saw from the Mystics. But I think kind of the even keelness of the Lynx is we're not going to see an eight game losing streak like we did from the Mystics. We're going to see them not pull off. Like, I don't know how many of their games have been come behind wins late in the fourth. I mean, they, they there's been multiple games where they've been down 15, 18, whatever it is, and still pull off a win. Obviously, this last game, they lose to Dallas, heartbreaking fashion. Uh, we didn't see that final push. And Rachel and I were texting during that game of kind of this is that moment of them coming back to reality. I think realistically, they're kind of right where we expect them. I do not see any team below them, Connecticut, Indiana, Phoenix, Dallas, or Washington, leapfrogging them to the number five spot. So I think, you know, the Lynx are looking in a position where, if they continue this through, they're looking at a top five, you know, top four seed even possibly if they, you know, outkick the coverage or whatever the phrase is. So for me, it's like, wow, this is what's actually happening. And I think a lot of that goes on the back of Crystal Dangerfield. In my book, she's the Roy. I know Julie Aleman is definitely up there in discussion. I know a lot of people are going to hype up uh, Kennedy Carter. For me, Kennedy Carter missed so much time and while this team you know, this Atlanta team has been playing well when she's out there and she's putting up ridiculous numbers for me. It needs, I'm much more in the, in the camp of like, 
you need to excel the team. The team needs to be doing great with you. Um, and the Atlanta Dream sitting at 3-11, and 11, I'm blanking on what their record was while Kennedy was still playing before she missed. But I'm actually curious, Lindsay, not to get into a whole discussion about this before yeah. we look at uh, the important games looking forward, but w- where's your mind sitting when we talk about Rookie of the Year? It, my mind was on Kennedy Carter, to be honest with you, and I um, had a little inside info where I thought I was under the impression she was going to return this past weekend. Um, and so I'm thinking – you know, she was just going to have some, have that these last two weeks to really um, just get back into what she was doing before she went out with the injury, but she hasn't, she hasn't returned. So um, I'm not really sure what her timetable is. And you're right that, that unfortunately affects, affects the outcome of the race. Uh, I'm on, I'm on the uh, Crystal Dangerfield boat. Um, I, I have been for, for the last the last week or so, just kind of keeping my eye on on other rookies because after after Sabrina uh, Inescu went out and then um, Kennedy went out, it was kind of like okay, well, what else what else is going on? And then Satu Spali um, went out with an injury. You know, uh, it's very unfortunate. Side note that this is happening um, because you know there were so many dynamic rookies that just had their seasons cut cut short in that way. Um, but shortened season is what it is. So yeah, I'm on the, uh, I'm on the, uh, Dangerfield bandwagon. Um, I think she, it's hers to lose if, um, if Kennedy's, uh, not coming back anytime soon. Rachel, what do you think? Can I just say ditto? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, a little bit of a cop out. No, I, I mean, I just, you know, I, for the sake of not being repetitive and, I just, yeah, Crystal Dangerfield's really blown me away. It's unfortunate that we've had these injuries. It's it's really, you know, um, disheartening. But I, I am, I'm excited for Kennedy Carter to come back. You know, I, I, in my mind, I guess, for whatever reason, I'm anticipating that it's going to be this week. And I know we're getting ready to segue into kind of just the big games this week. And for me, that's that's the one I'm, I think I'm really excited about is this, this, this Atlanta Dream roster um, with the return of Carter, potentially. Um, and, and, you know, how, how can they face up with Washington and, and, you know, some of these teams at the bottom who are vying for that eight position, it's going to be, it's going to be a rat race, you know, just like it's going to be a rat race at the top. Um, this thing is, is, is a log jam in a lot of different places. So, um, yeah, I, I think Carter's been really impressive. I think everyone speak for everyone when, when we hope she, she gets back out there sooner rather than later, but, um, I agree with you. Um, it's, it's danger fields right now. And just to uh, update on my lack of knowing of the stats before, the Atlanta Dream have played 14 games. Kennedy Carter has been in eight of those. Mm. Uh, so I, I think, honestly, like, yeah, she's putting up ridiculous numbers, and we all knew that she was going to do that coming into the season. But for me, and maybe Rookie of the Year is not the award that you need this aspect of it, but for me, very much so, when I look at Rookie of the Year, it's like, do you make your team around you better? And yes, Kennedy Carter makes her team around her better, but like even better, they're not winning a ton of games. But moving forward, uh, not to beat a dead horse, what get, what are key games this week looking forward? I've got a few games uh, kind of chalked up as important for a variety of reasons. I'll run through them, and then I'll flip it over to you, Lindsay. Uh, and then, Rachel, you can kind of chime in if you got any other ones you want to add in. The Wings Aces, mostly just because the Wings are currently in the nine spot. And the Aces are trying to leapfrog to number one, sitting at the number two spot. So, you know, both teams have a lot to fight for, especially with Seattle Storm dripping down a little bit. Uh, 
Vegas is really licking their chops at that possibility of a number one spot. Then the link sparks. I mean, do I need to give a reason why this is a, an important key game of the week? I mean, I don't care who's on the roster. As long as it's links, as long as it's sparks, I'm tuning in. It's going to be good basketball. Sun Mercury, we've talked about it a lot this episode, at least I have, about how those two teams are sitting at six and seven. Mercury are missing Brittany Griner. We're looking at a situation where, you know, this is a playoff spot. We're talking top eight playoff spot. And then we got Aces Storm for obvious reasons, as I just spoke to. And then the Storm Sky, the Sky are sitting at the fourth spot. And we've seen them take on the Aces and handle them in both games. I'm curious to see how this team can handle the Seattle Storm in their next game against them. Lindsay, what are the key games for you? So I picked I picked three key games um, that I'm most interested in seeing. And they're, you've already mentioned them. But um, the, the Phoenix-Connecticut game coming up, I mean... You got the Mercury sitting there at seven and seven. The Connecticut Sun have just been on on this upward trajectory after starting off the season not so great. Um, they're at six and eight, so I feel like this is a key game to either um, help Phoenix, you know, keep that confidence going forward after their last game over the Mystics, and and maybe figuring out the way they can they can scheme or, or whatnot without uh, Brittany on the court, Brittany Griner on the court. So. Um, that's why I feel like it's important for them. And then for the sun, you know, them to just keep the momentum going. And if, if they can get even with, uh, with Phoenix and just keep it moving, um, you know, who knows what they could do in the next, uh, in the next couple of weeks towards the end of the season here as they um, continue to play better. And then the, the ones you, you mentioned for the same reason, uh, storm aces, you know, let's see if the storm can come back and, and, you know, punch the aces in the mouth now and and i like i like the back and forth between these two top teams and then uh storm sky is just another another good game between two teams who are you know, are neck and neck pretty much i mean you look at the top four teams and they're only separated the one in four spots only separated by a game so mm-hmm. it's just it's, it's so close and i feel like anytime those four team play those four teams play each other it's worth watching I just want to add one. My, my big game is the big rematch, the huge rematch of Indiana Fever and Seattle Storm mm. going on today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do think that uh, it's funny, you know, how quickly you can play some teams back to back. But, you know, Seattle's on a two game skid and, and I'm not I'm, I'm obviously being playful here. But, um, you know, how Seattle responds, you know, to to a couple of losses, I think I, I'm very curious to, to see how how they they respond. And um, I think um, a, a couple of days off and, and working on some things with yourself is going to tell us a lot about this storm team and how they respond. I mean, I, um, and, you know, especially coming off a game where the fever did beat them. So that that's a that'll be an interesting one, uh, just just for the sake of, of seeing how um, Seattle responds from two losses. And you know what? A tip of the cap to Marion Stanley, who had the best presser I've heard, I've seen all season long. Uh, we could get into a whole episode on on that, but you know what? I love seeing a fired up coach. I love seeing a coach who's going to defend their players, um, who's going to say some things that maybe isn't the most popular to the talking heads around the W, but you know what? The, the job of the coach is not to appease the media. The job of the coach is to be there for her team and to bring their team to championship caliber. And if, if this coach thinks that what she did, you know, helps her team get better and will motivate her team in any way, shape or form, then props to her. That's, that's what she's supposed to do. Uh, 
freaking I, I just love it. It's great content. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining the show. Any final thoughts uh, before we log off? Any secrets, any, uh, as I like to call them, rage bombs you want to drop uh, <laughs> before before we head off for the for the day? No, Rachel's got that that game cornered, man. I'm not I'm not the bomb dropping type, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just uh, <laughs> just let things come out and as they do or. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just teasing. Um, I one thought we did talk about rookie of the year and real quickly, I feel like Rookie of the Year and MVP are sep- are two different awards that you have to look at. Like MVP for me is like, yes, stats involved, but also as we said, uplifting the team, your impact on the whole on the whole team, and making your team better. Rookie of the Year for me is is strictly about what a rookie can come in and do more individually on in on the court and in transferring those skills they had in college to the next level and and how they can compete and compare with. Um, with with vets and so I tend to look more at at statistical output and points rather than the effect they have on a team as a whole because you could have a rookie of the year who's on a really really horrible team um we had Arike last season was in the MVP conversation um especially towards the end and, and you know Dallas wasn't that good of a team but it was her output that was uh, night in and out that was that made her a part of that conversation so well I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you while I completely respect and agree with your take on that obviously you know I've expressed I, I I'm a little bit like torn in two different directions on this uh, I should probably solidify my opinion on this but speaking of Arike and Roy um, what was your thought sorry I didn't prep you on this who who was your vote or if you, I don't know if you had a vote you don't need to announce that but like Last year, were you on Team Fee or Team Arike? Last year, I did not have a vote. This year, I'm I'm proud to say that I do. I finally Ooh. made it. I was offered a, uh, the opportunity. Yay! Um, well deserved. <laughs> thank you very much. I was uh, I was all about Fee only because of her consistency throughout the season for me. Um, had had Arike really just um, it had a, they come off from the jump. With her putting up those numbers, uh, it would have been more more neck and neck. But for me, it was um, Nafisa came in from the get go and was just just made an impact on that team and was just playing, you know, at a, at the pro level. And and she didn't look like a rookie to me, um, which is you know kind of what it comes down to for me. So, what about you, Rach? Can I plead the fifth? It's <laughs> <laughs> the most Rachel answer. No, I mean, or did you have McCowan? It's so hard. It really is. It. I. I. I definitely am happy for Fee. I think she does. It. But they both. I mean, both players deserve it. And I'm not trying to cop out. Um. But. But man, it's really hard to look at what Arike did as a rookie and and what she was able to do. Granted, the team was was not very good, but those numbers were so impressive. They really, really were. I mean, it's just dominant numbers um, from, from a rookie that just, you just do not see often. Um, so you had two rookies that were, were doing different things with two different types of teams bear, with varying success. So it just, man, that was a, that was a very difficult uh, debate for sure. I, I, I still don't know how I feel. I feel like I, I go back and forth, <laughs> honestly. Well, either way, there's no wrong answer, right? I mean, they both uh, on different levels deserved it. And um, 
Nafisa just happened to win out um, this time. So yeah, it just depends on how you break it down in your mind, yeah. you know, or, or how do you determine how that should be defined? Um, yeah, that, that, that one was wild. That's a wild one for sure. And, and like immediately caused a rivalry between the two franchises. And we've probably done a great job of uh, not picking either side in this rivalry. <laughs> so what a great way to end the episode. As I always say, for less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. Thank you so much for joining us, Lindsay. As always, it's a pleasure to speak to you, pick your brain on anything W, and can't wait to read uh, the next uh, courtside. Yeah, um, I, I got some things in the works. Uh, still I, working some stuff out, but uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And um, this Friday, I'll be talking to um, the great, one of the greatest point guards of all time. Some people say she is the greatest point guard of all time, Tisha Penichero. Um we got that's going to drop on Friday. Awesome. We well, can't wait to read it. Everyone check it out and subscribe. We'll talk to you guys later.